You're listening to a sermon originally recorded by Schweitzer United Methodist Church in Springfield, Missouri. Check us out online at sumc.co. And if this sermon blessed you, be sure to share it with someone else. Thank you so much for listening. Now, on to the message. Wake up. Wake up. Rise to my defense. Fight for me, my Lord and my God. Declare me not guilty, O Lord my God. For you give justice. Don't let my enemies laugh about me in my troubles. Don't let them say, look, we got what we wanted. Now we will eat him alive. Good morning. Uh, I'm I'm Pastor Jason, and it's good to be with you today. It's good to be uh, it's good to be dry too, right? Like uh, it's good to have the rain stop. I was I called my parents yesterday. They live in Michigan. I said, Mom, Dad, if you want to, you just need to know that we've got we've got lakeside property now. We've got a lake and our uh, big a big pond f- filled in, and so looking forward to all the frogs and frog legs that'll bring us for this summer. But we'll we'll see about that. That's a joke on the frog legs. Sorry. Um, I'm not really serious about that. Um, well, we're in a series where we're talking about forgiveness here at Schweitzer. It's a four-week series, and it's a series that really builds. And so if you, if you can, we'd encourage you to, to, um, to take in all of, all of the sermons, all the things that we're talking about. And if you miss something, you can always go online to sumc.co, and you can find past sermons. And uh, I'd also like to tell you that today we're going to have a couple of different lists and I think those lists are in the notes section of the Schweitzer app. So if you have the Schweitzer app, you can use that as we walk through some things about forgiveness. I want to start off, though, with, with referring to that, uh, that text we saw on the screen in that reading that we had for us that came from Psalm 35. It's a psalm of David. And it's a psalm in which David is recounting to the Lord. He's talking to the Lord about the experiences he's had in life. And, and the psalm really opens up with this desire, this design that David has. He says, Lord, I, I just want to call out a cosmic javelin throw. There are people in my life that I would love for you to take your cosmic javelin and pin them to the wall. Now, I don't know if you've ever felt like that about anybody in your life. Um, I'm going to guess that all of us have at some point felt like that, where we wanted to ask God to do something that we couldn't do, to pin somebody to the wall. David is at that point in his life. And he, and he continues to just go on in the sense of that psalm. And, and he's doing that because that's kind of what's happening in his own life. King Saul has, has been his king, and he's been a defender of King Saul. And then Saul gets mad at David, and he gets jealous, and his own spirit is deeply disturbed. And there's one day when David's playing his harp, and King Saul just takes his, his javelin, and he chucks it at David's head. And David has to to run away, and then he does it again. And then King Saul sends out his army after David. And he seeks to hunt him down and to end his life. And David finds himself running from cave to cave, hiding out in in, uh, nations that aren't his own. And in the midst of all that running, he takes out a pen. And he just pours out his heart. He pours out his angst. He pours out everything that's inside of him. He says, Lord, I just wish you would you'd bring some justice. I wish you'd bring some judgment. I wish you would you'd send somebody where they want to send me. I don't know if, if you've ever been there. 
but I don't know how you can live this, this human life, this human condition, and not get to that point. And so we're all there. David's there. That's even what his prayer was. You know, when that, that video ended, you know, it ends on verse 25, you know. Just don't let their prayer, let, let us eat him alive. He's saying, don't let that come to fruition. In the midst of all of that psalm, David comes to the re- realization, and we do too, you know, that um, a tit-for-tat kind of experience doesn't solve the world's problems, right? If somebody's chasing after you, if somebody's um, trying to hunt you down, if somebody's doing you wrong, you can do the same in return, but that isn't going to end the struggle. Martin Luther King Jr. Uh, in 1963 was talking about um, the, the reality that, that hate given in return for hate doesn't solve the world's problems. In fact, he said, hatred doesn't drive out hatred, but only love can do that. So when David gets to the end of Psalm 35, he's written this experience out, this encounter. He's come to the place, really, of saying, okay, God, I'm really looking for you to act, for you to step into this place. I'm looking for you to to take some charge of this situation. And he really begins to show us through the whole psalm of what it's like to begin the process of forgiveness. Because he puts in place a a sense of motion. And we're going to talk about some of the things that he does. But before we get to the things that he does, there are a few things I want to point out about what forgiveness is not. And this is where, if you've got the Schweitzer app, I would just encourage you to take that out and look at the notes section, because I think all of this stuff is in the notes, and you can add to it if if you'd like. Uh, Kathy, we're going to go to what forgiveness is not. We'll come back to the Colossians at the end, okay? Thanks. Uh, So here on are some things that forgiveness is not. And yet, some things that some people suggest that forgiveness is, or at least we've been, um, we've watched other people say this, these things, or we've, we've heard it said, and so sometimes there are things that we adopt, but this is what forgiveness isn't. Forgetting, forgiveness is not forgetting what happened. Um, David couldn't forget the reality that Saul had chucked things at him, that he had sent his officers after him. Uh, Forgiveness isn't saying, well, we're just going gonna to forget about what happened here. Because to do that, David would have continued to put himself in harm's way. And so there are some things what, that David had to continue to remember. Uh, I've had two experiences in my life where some people who were trustworthy um, got around money, and the things that they did around money were not helpful. In fact, they were, they were duplicitous in nature. Now, they came to a place of seeking forgiveness, but you couldn't forget that those things happened. Because to put them back in those same situations, well, there was just a trust factor there, right? And you had to remember what had taken place. Forgiveness isn't forgetting. Forgiveness isn't denying what happened or how we're affected by it. Um, Sometimes when an event happens, if if you harm somebody else or somebody else harms you, uh, there's a way in which we kind of try to deny things or, or we look to shade it in a different color. You can't deny what has actually happened in real life. Forgiveness isn't 
What's, what's our next one we've got? An act of the will. Forgiveness isn't this thing where you can just say at the drop of a hat or, or with some sense of ease that, that you're going to forgive somebody. Um, this past week, I went to Kansas City for a couple of days, and that meant that I was, I was staying in Kansas City. And when I got back, my daughters wanted me to tell stories. In fact, they thought that because I was gone for two nights that I owed them two stories. And when I didn't tell them a story in the time in which they thought was appropriate, they made up a, um, they made up a, a scorecard for me, a report card. And, and they drew out the days in which I was gone. And they had these big openings on the days, right? And they're like, um, because you were gone, you get an F and on this day. And then because you were gone, you were back, but you didn't tell us a story, you get an F with two minuses. And I started thinking about, about some of the folks on, on our team who use Slack. And they know how to do minus minuses. And I, I don't know, the rest, some of you in the, in the room use Slack. You know what minus minuses are, you know? It's a way of just marking yourself. Some people will never get above a, a, a zero, you know? Um, but anyway, so here are my daughters giving me minuses. And I'm like, if I say I'm sorry, does that put me at even, you know? Like, do you? And they're like, no, Dad. You don't get to go back to even on this one. Uh, we are not going to... F- forgive you that easily. You're going to have to tell stories to get your way out of this. It's interesting how forgiveness is not an act of the will. It's not always easy. Uh, Forgiveness also doesn't take us back to where we were before the offense. Um, You ever been in a in a relationship and something goes wrong and and things are just different, right? I mean, you can say you're sorry, you can apologize, but there's there becomes a history there and that history begins to color things, and forgiveness doesn't do away with that sense of coloring. Um, it doesn't put everything back together. I was, I was listening to Pastor Bob talk about this point earlier today, and I, I thought about a bowl we have in our house. It's, a, it's just, just a bowl, you know, like in your kitchen, but it dropped. Somebody dropped it one day, and they picked it up, and they put Gorilla Glue on it, glued it back together. <clears throat> Gorilla Glue is an amazing product. But every time I go to the cupboard and I pull that bowl out, I see the mark on the bowl. It's, it's still there. Um, it, it won't go back to new. Forgiveness is not giving up our rights. Uh, that is to say that, you know, there's rights that each and every one of us have simply because we're human. And those things don't get to be run over or are done away with. Forgiveness doesn't mean excusing the offender. Sometimes we like to do this. We like to look at the offender's story. Like, well, they, they did this because if you knew their story, you'd, you'd understand. That in some way takes away the moral obligation that, that all of us have to one another. And not just to one another, but to ourselves and to the world in which we live in. And um, we can't do away with that. Forgiveness also um, doesn't have the sense of demonstrating moral superiority. You ever been in a relationship where somebody forgave, forgave you? but then they always seem to remind you that they forgave you, that doesn't strike as forgiveness either. And then the last one is forgiveness doesn't mean leaving it to God um, and letting God do everything. Because in fact, Jesus, when, when he's resurrected, he speaks to his disciples in John chapter 20, and he says, if you forgive the sins of any, um, they're forgiven. And if you retain the sins of any, they're they're retained. 
In fact, Jesus gives authority to us, to you and to me. He gives us capacity. He gives us, he gives us a tremendous responsibility that we, you and I, can, can really have the power to forgive the sins of other people. And we have the power to remember things and hold things against people. Jesus was serious when he gave that sense of authority to us. He wasn't, he wasn't holding back. He wasn't holding out. He was giving it to us. And it is an incredible responsibility. It's an incredible authority that's vested with humanity. We have it. And, and Jesus, in some ways, many ways, expects us to use it and to put it into play. So those are some things that forgiveness is not. What are some things that forgiveness is and uh, what are some steps towards forgiveness? We're going to see some of this in David, and we'll see it in some of the lives of other people around us, too. Uh, one of the things that it really takes to get moving toward forgiveness is the sense of preparing for forgiveness. We see that in David when he's willing to take up the pen and he's willing to pour out his heart to God. He's really beginning to prepare his own life and his own heart to come to the place where he can at least live in a sense of peace with who Saul is and with who he is and, and with where the the nation is. Um, David has that capacity. One of the things that, that we also know about preparing for forgiveness is that it has to, um, to deal with our own sense of vengeance um, because when we're wronged against, one of the first responses, at least one of my first responses, is I tend to want to get revenge. I don't, I want to do a, you did this and so I'm going to do this in reply. That's the revenge nature. And the other thing about preparing for forgiveness is you have to come to a place where you have space enough to think about what's really going on. See, David had to move to a space where he was outside of Paul's or Saul's reach of throwing the spear or sending the generals, where he could begin to think about what is happening around me. Uh, he couldn't really compose that psalm when he was on the run. But he had to be in a space. And so when we think about how do we get to a place where we can actually extend forgiveness to somebody else, you have to recognize our own sense of vengeance and we have to, we have to be in a safe place. And we have to be outside of that swirl of danger. Something else about forgiveness is we have to name the offense. David was really clear. Then when he was in that place, like, what's happened to me? Uh, javelins have been thrown in my head. What else has happened to me? I fasted for people and prayed for their healing, and they've, they've put in things, um, they've put in motion a lot of bad news about me. David's able to name the offense. One of the guys that I've been able to be around a little bit the last couple of years, and I, I read one of his early books recently, was a man by the name of John Perkins. John Perkins was born in 1930, and he's still living today. And he is a, he's a saint of a dude. Um, one of his early books was called Let Justice Roll Down, in which is, is like an early autobiography. He wrote it around 1980, 1981. And he talks about his early life. And he really names some offenses, some pretty massive offenses in his own life. When he was 16 years old, he was out at the movies in, um, in Mississippi. Now, Remember that, he was 16, born 1930, so it was like 1946. 
his brother who had served in the military, in the army from, in World War II, had come back home. And, and they were standing in line and there was a bit of a ruckus and suddenly a police officer came up and a police officer was trigger happy and he pulled his weapon and he shot John Perkins' brother in the stomach. <clears throat> and John put his brother in a car and raced him to a hospital, but his brother died. And then Perkins is just left with that sense of anger in 1946. And so he, he finds himself leaving Mississippi and he goes to California. California is a much better place in his life. But in California, the Lord begins to speak into, into John Perkins' life. The Lord begins to move in ways that he couldn't have imagined. So Perkins ends up back in Mississippi in the late 1960s. And he, he begins to um, put together a community in Mendenhall, Mississippi, which is close to Jackson. And, and at one point in Christmas of 1969, a young person who's a part of their community is arrested and thrown, thrown in jail. And so John, with a bunch of other people from his community in Mendenhall, they go up to the county jail, and, and the jailer doesn't know what to do, so he throws everybody who's there, he just throws them into the jail. And John's like, we've got We've got myself, we've got some other adults, we've got some teenagers, and then we've got little kids who are thrown into jail. And the jailer's just like, um, y'all have to stand here until, until the sheriff shows up. And then the sheriff shows up, and he says, you gotta get these people out of here, but we can't, but they're in jail and all this stuff. It's, it's an interesting story, but what it comes down to is that in 1970, uh, Perkins is beaten within an inch of his life along with somebody else in the whole sense of the civil rights movement. And there's a, a U.S. criminal case, you can read about it from 1973. If, if you're that type of person who will track that, that legal stuff down and that, that interests you, you could do that. Or you could read about it in his book, Let Justice Roll Down. Perkins doesn't hold back on naming what happened in his life. But in the sense of naming it, he also doesn't go to a place of vengeance. He names it so that himself and so that others, so that we, when we read it, we can hear about what really took place. And we can name evil for what it is. And it's a part of the process of getting to the place of forgiveness and moving on. Perkins goes on to do a lot of other great things and we'll come to a quote of a new book that he, he came to in just a little bit. Um, one of the other th items in stage of forgiveness is understanding the, uh, uh, we jumped ahead, I think. We'll go there. Never mind. There's a bunch of other steps. You can get, um, look at them in the, on the app. Forgive, um, Perkins comes to this place of understanding the offender as a person. One of, he, John just wrote a new book and there's, a, there's an article about it in Christianity Today and the article is titled this, um, I wish I had done more to help poor white people. And I'd encourage you to go look that article up and read through it. And down near the end of the article, John Perkins writes this, he says, I wish that I had done more for this group of people. I've gone from almost hating them when I was young and angry, and they were bigoted and violent, to genuinely loving them 
as brothers and sisters. I think about how many poor whites responded to me, or I think about how many poor whites respond to me so positively when I speak today. And often I can see a spark in their eyes. I'm truly sorry that I've neglected the needs of those neighbors of mine and have not responded often enough to their spark. See, Perkins, when all the things happened early in his life, he got to a place where he could name what happened. And he could really do some incredible work, and he did. He did in L.A., he did in other parts of Mississippi. But he recognizes, as he's late in life, like a Moses getting ready to head off into the, into the winter lands with God, he recognizes that there were still some places where there was some work that could be done. And he began to see others as he himself is somebody who needs to be seen. Along with seeing others as, as persons, one of the other things about forgiveness is that it's one of those things that's on the road to reconciliation. Forgiveness itself isn't reconciliation, but it's on the road to reconciliation. There are a couple f- folks in my world that I'm not fully reconciled with yet. And I can tell that because when I go on um, Facebook every now and again, their pictures will pop up, right? And it asks me if I want to send them a friend request. Um, And I've hit the remove button two or three times. Because there are people in my life that have, have done some things said some things. I can identify in some ways with David. They didn't throw real javelins, but they threw some other kinds of javelins. Uh Uh-oh. Oh, man. Some brilliant person put on, on Facebook yesterday how you could turn off your notifications for all that stuff. And I'm like, they get a gold star. Uh, anyway, it's talking about the reality that um, there are just some folks. There they go. They all are going off. Um, <laughs> how many people have a phone? Yeah, everybody's getting it now. Yes, it does. Okay. It's just going to keep coming. Anyway. I think I've lost this moment. (laughs) So it's not like the... Forgiveness is on the way to reconciliation. But when you forgive, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're ready to sit down and have a feast around the same dinner table. That you're ready to tell jokes like you once were. It has that in motion. It has that in mind. It sets things in motion towards that end. In fact, that's where God eventually wants to take us. That's where God wants to lead us. The Apostle Paul, Kathy, this is where you can go back to that Colossians text, talks about how forgiveness is a, in some ways a mandate for us who follow Jesus. 
And I'd like to read you some of this text. He says, clothe yourselves with tender kind or tenderhearted mercy and kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember that the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Hear that sense of, it's a must. Forgiveness is a must. Yet how do we get there? He says, above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. How do we get to the place where forgiveness is something that we can carry out, where forgiveness is something that we can step into? It's coming to the place where we recognize that we don't have the capacity within ourselves. It's like that. It's, it's not just an act of our own will. In fact, alone, we're just like everybody else. Our first response is vengeance. But we have to be clothed with the clothes of Christ. We have to have the mind of Christ within us. We have to be people who say, Lord, I cannot do this on my own. And if there's something that's going to happen with regard to forgiveness here, you are going to have to do something in me. And for some of us, we're at that place where we can have that conversation with God. Because we walk with God on a frequent basis and, and we know what the forgiveness of God is like. But some of, for some of us here, we've never come to that place yet where we know deep in our life what the forgiveness of Christ is and how it's spoken over our own hearts and our own minds. And that's really the first step of moving us from a place where we can where we want vengeance to a place where we can begin to think about forgiving and being forgiven. It's coming face to face with Christ or coming close to the cross of Christ where Jesus on the cross says this, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. And the forgive them is not just for the people that are gathered there, but it's for you and for me. Until each and every one of us Here's Jesus speak that into our own ears. Like that's for you and for me. And until that hits us here, the lists that we have, they're just lists. They're things that we can attempt to fulfill. But we don't have that capacity. We don't have the power. We can try. But we'll find ourselves winning today and losing tomorrow, winning the next day and losing the next day. But here's the deal. Here's the power. Because when Jesus said, I give you the power, the capacity, the authority to forgive sins, when he said those words, he blew, breathed on the gospel, says he blew, He said, receive the Holy Spirit. See, apart from the Holy Spirit, we can't do it. And until our hearts are flung open wide and say, Jesus, send us the Holy Spirit. They're good points. They're great action steps. 
Friends, today, in just a moment, we're going to be invited to go to the table and receive communion. As you do that today, I'd like to invite you to put yourself in a place of having heard Jesus say, forgive them for they know not what they do. I'd like to put, see yourself at a place where Jesus himself is standing in front of you, the resurrected Jesus. And it's a Sunday morning. And Jesus has made breakfast for you. And he takes bread and he offers it to you with a cup. And he calls you by name. He says, I love you. And know that there's a lot of stuff in your life you've got a lot of regret over. But I forgive you. And the forgiveness I give to you, I want you to share with others. As the band comes and leads us and, and as people go to the table to help serve us, I invite you to pray with me. Kind Father, there are a lot of people on the wall in our imaginations that we can think of who've thrown darts our direction. And that we struggle in that role of forgiving. We can take a number of good points about what forgiveness is and what forgiveness isn't, Lord. But without your power, without your Holy Spirit, we just don't have that strength. We have the want, but we don't have the strength. So today as we come to your table, would you meet us there? Would you speak to us in such clarity, in such power, in such vividness? that we would know your work in our life, that we would be set free. We pray this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We need you, Jesus. Amen.